Welcome to This Human Life with a Philosophical Coach. I'm thrilled to have you tuning in. I'm your host, Sam Kukathis, aka The Philosophical Coach, philosopher, human expert, and high-performance coach. This podcast at its core is about navigating the complexities of being human, whilst providing you the opportunity to go beyond any conception of who you think you are, really. Inside of the freedom that comes from not being attached to figuring out your true purpose, or who you are, is an opening for creating a life free from constraint. If that intrigues or excites you, then you're definitely in the right place. The ideas are drawn from neuroscience, philosophy, my coaching practice, working with elite leaders, and experience. You can expect candor, humor, vulnerability, and ideas which are unfamiliar to you, and some you may just plain disagree with. You'll also get the opportunity to hear from inspiring coaches and leaders. Now let's get ready to question what we know. Welcome back to This Human in Life. Whether you joined us last week or you're a completely new listener, let me give you a sense of what we were going to discuss today. So last week, I was in conversation with Joe Bernstein about how we can navigate racism as oppression as a white man when it feels privileged to even ask the question. And in this episode, we're going to go much deeper into that subject. We're looking at the way that shame and guilt play such a key role in navigating this very question. So stay tuned, and I'm excited to hear what you think. Men have learned to use force to control to get what they want, yeah. which is the opposite of power. Right? And, and we want power, but we're constantly using these childlike versions of force to control rather than power, which is grounded and has capacity to open and accept and surrender and dance and flow instead of like dominate, kill, box up, you know? Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of Love Hooks' book, The Will to Change. Oh, yeah. Um, Classic. One of the things she's talking about, if you don't know the book, it's a brilliant book around masculinity and Bell Hooks essentially provides a different vision of masculinity, which she calls female masculinity, but she taps into the way that patriarchy is a system which affects both men and women. And right. one of the really powerful things was around the way in which what's tolerated for young boys, and I'm not sure whether this is still the case, but certainly in the generation that she's writing about, was violence is an answer to people's problems, or an answer to little boys' right. problems, whereas it wasn't so much for her as a, as a little girl. And so that then becomes something which becomes a dominant form of expression as a consequence. Right. And then there becomes a point in time where it's no longer acceptable, and yet they've already developed that tendency to act out in that way. And it's like, well, what am I meant to do? So then she talks about this sort of Jekyll and Hyde guy where mm-hmm. it seems like this guy is the perfect guy. And yet sometime he actually becomes the violent person that you, you most fear. And it's right. like, well, how did this happen? Well, it's because we developed these capacities very young, which were then suppressed. And then the boys didn't have an opportunity or understand how to, to actually release their emotions. And so they went back to the vehicle, which they used at the very beginning, which was to act out and they act out in violent ways. And so as men, when they have that experience, they act out in violent ways. So we just yeah. we cycle. Right. And you know, the painful thing for me, Sam, which I love to help people with, like, honestly, this is one of the things I love the most in helping men because I, I love helping them get results. I love helping them change their life and, and create better outcomes and feel lit up. 
but I absolutely love helping men to disconnect from a lot of emotional violence that we enact upon ourselves. Yeah. And so for me, emotional violence is how often we use shame and blame to motivate ourselves. And how often we immediately, every time we make a mistake, think, oh, I'm so stupid, what's wrong with me, right? All the ways that we hold ourselves to an unreasonable standard. And then we actually have ultimatums within our relationship with ourselves, right? And these are all, these would all be considered emotional violence in a relationship, in my opinion, or emotional abuse. But we do them to ourselves so consistently and then we wonder why, like, oh, why can't I change? Like, have, imagine a, a, you know, a room of seven-year-old boys and, and you're just one dude, which by the way, we have so many parts of ourselves, of our psyche, that a lot of times it is like you're the headmaster or the teacher for like a room of seven-year-old boys inside of you, yeah. or four-year-old boys, or 12-year-old boys, or 16-year-old boys. And imagine just trying to like trick them with willpower and ultimatums and force, like eventually, they're going to go, hey, there's a, lot, a bunch of us, and we've been taught how to be violent, too. We're going to kick back, right? So it just doesn't work. So I, I love that you touched on that, that idea of how we've been conditioned to have the Jekyll and Hyde, the violence. We don't, we don't do it just out in the world. We do it very subtly and very harmfully, but it's hard to even notice and detect in our most important love relationships with our parents, with our children, with our love partners, right? With our closest friends, with our siblings. We do this a lot, but we also do it to ourselves. And I just love, love teaching the simple mindset tools to open up emotions so men can feel their emotions and liberate rather than dominate and, have, and enact violence upon themselves, which of course then gets projected out into the world on others. Yeah, yeah I, to I totally feel you on that, man. Like one of the biggest things that I've developed in the last few years is the capacity to shift from someone who suppressed all these emotions to be someone who's known for the courage and the vulnerability, which I show when I speak and when I share. And yeah. so it becomes, and what I find is that people then really resonate with that when they're deal dealing with something, because they know that they're talking to someone who has experienced what they've experienced. It's, and got through it. And not just got through it, but like actually living a life which they love, right? So it provides an outlet for them, like, oh, it's not just like, this is always going to be this way. It's like, it's possible for me too, because Sam is just an, you know, a regular guy like, like I am. Right. And yeah. relatability, I think is, is such an important element of helping men develop their emotional capacity. Because if you seem like you were some sort of perfectionist guru kind of here, let me give you these mindset tips, which I always, yeah. then no one, no one buys it. No one, no one wants a dime of it because it, 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 it reeks of uh, an authenticity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the same thing happens for, for men when they're in relationships, especially, I, I wanna just, I, I wanna take a moment actually just key in on like love relationships, romantic Please, relationships. Let's do that. So what you just mentioned, we have a tendency to do in our relationships. We're very performative around what we know. And what we know is so, such a big part of how we connect and people don't connect at just the head level when they do the relationship isn't quite as deep a love relationship can't just stay at a head level right? and a lot of us are only taught to be at that head level where we're performing and we're protecting right? 
we're protecting our identity and we will show a tiny bit of vulnerability, but not too much, right? Which isn't vulnerability at all, because if you're not feeling fucking scared, it's not actually vulnerability, right? It's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but, but, but that's what you just said is so important. This idea that we're not authentic. We don't draw people into us. We don't open ourselves up and we don't open others up to create the depth of love that I know we really truly want because of this tendency, because of these tendencies we're talking about to not really have the emotional capacity, which then feels inauthentic, even when your partner could say to you like, oh, you're so real, you're so authentic, but you're authentic in like the 15% that you're giving yourself or giving the people that you love. You're not necessarily fully authentic and fully connecting because you're not giving your whole being, your whole body, your whole expression the ability to connect with others. So the thing that you and I have this thing we have to do, which is like, we want to attract people to work with us. We have to be really, really real and really true and honest and open and vulnerable and authentic. That's actually the same for, for, for men or even women and, and even non-gendered humans, non-binary humans in relationships. We just, it's that important. It's that important to connect that we have to open up. It's really valuable, really valuable. Um, yeah, so emotional capacity is, I think, the main the main thing what we were kind of keying in on and trying to talk about here. Where should we yeah. go next? Well, you know, like one of the things I wanted to touch on was something you you, you brought up slightly earlier, which was around the guilt and shame. And I think yeah. it with this whole time, this period, because there was there was so much imagery uh, in the news and social media where what was coming forward was the shame and the guilt which was perpetuating people into action. Right. But then it's like, if you're coming from that as a foundation for your why, is that a powerful why, right? right. It's great that you're getting into action. It's great that you're recognizing how much others have been oppressed or how much black people have been oppressed comparatively to you. But is it the foundation that we want to rest things upon? Because it makes you feel like you've already done something wrong independently of what your agency was within a particular thing. Like the ancestral roots create this feeling of the shame, the guilt, okay. right? Like all of that. And I get that, but how do we go beyond that as a foundation rather than starting from shame and guilt? What can people do to create, start from a creative space rather than this, probably this consumer mindset that you might talk about so that we can yeah. actually propel things forward in a more effective manner. Yeah, yeah. So I really want to make sure that we don't shame the guilt and shame in the process of helping yeah. people. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think you did, but I just, wanted to, I just wanted to put that in there. It's like, we have been taught, even, actually, you know what? Guys like you and I, who've done a lot of deep work in emotional space and a lot of emotional development, have actually been taught that like, you know, oh, shame is not, the shame is like the bad emotion, right? <laughs> look, look at Brene Brown. I mean, Brene Brown made a career on really those amazing TED Talks. It had to be about vulnerability and then shame. Sure. And so in many ways in the leadership development world, the personal development world, shame is being shamed. Mm. And, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and so, so I just want to bring up that point that every emotion is hardwired into the human body because it's actually more in the body than it is in the mind, but that's another podcast episode. Every emotion is wired into our body-mind experience of humanity for really 
good, valuable reasons. You know, in the world right now, a lot of people are actually, there's a lot of, there's a lot of human experiences that we think are wrong. Mm. Hunger and lust and desire for more, AKA greed, right? Like we think they're wrong and they're not wrong or bad. It's how we use them. Dose makes the poison is one of my mentors would say. Yeah. We're talking about like, you know, ayahuasca and magic mushrooms or whether we're talking about emotions like shame. Yeah. Dose makes the poison and the use makes the poison. So I love your question. I love your framing because you were really clear on something because I know you're big on language like me and the language was so good, right? The language was, it's not the place to move from. Yeah. But it, it, it can be, guilt and shame can be a source, right? So opening up the capacity to feel the guilt, to feel the shame, to allow it to flow through us. To, when someone says, how you doing today? Being like, you know, I'm actually rumbling with guilt because I remember in 2016 when I was watching these, you know, black men being killed in America on, fa on Facebook Live all the time. Yeah. I remember that and I didn't do anything. Yeah. So to be able to hold that guilt and say, you know what? I didn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, it was a mistake. I didn't act in, in courage. I didn't want to confront my own comfort levels to change my life at that time. And so why is that? So I would rather people learn to hold the guilt, to hold the shame, to unpack it, to feel it. I was a master for the first four or five years of my personal growth journey of dominating my emotions with mindset work. Yeah. So I would bypass shame. I would bypass guilt. I would bypass sadness. I would bypass fear. And thank God, because it helped me become who I was, but then eventually it limited me. So it's a matter of learning to grow capacity to feel and experience and hold the discomfort of most emotions. Most emotions aren't that comfortable. Absolutely. Some are, but some of the more meaningful moments in life aren't. So the question is, what do you move from? So I fully believe that we don't move from the emotional catalyst. The emotional catalyst is almost all, emotional catalyst for change, whether it be generational or societal or global or just personal or interpersonal, it is often gonna be fear, shame, guilt, sadness, anger. And so it's gonna be one of those typically. Yeah. Not that many people are like, I'm so happy that I have to transform my life. Like it's just not, I'm yeah. so excited right now. I'm feeling so much peace that I have to change the world. No. Yeah. Point. So, so, so the catalyst is gonna come from there. Yes. But that's not where the movement comes from, right? Exactly. So can we rumble with, can we hold the emotion? Can we experience it? Can we unpack it? That's why the emotional competence leading to emotional mastery work that I'm sure you do, that I know I do, and I do with my clients, like systematically we break down emotions. What do they feel like in the body? What do they look like? What do they sound like when you're talking through them? Mm. Um, what is the meaning of the emotion, right? Like, so if someone's feeling shame, I'm bad or wrong. Okay, so how do we interrogate that to see what's true and to transform it? I, I like to help dudes transform shame into guilt. Because guilt's a place that we can move from, right? Shame is I'm fucked up. Guilt is I fucked up. Well, if I fucked up and I learned that a mistake is okay and it's part of the learning process, then give me all the guilt in the world. Let me experience guilt every day and turn it into the question, what do I want to do differently tomorrow? I like where, that. where shame is like, I'm just bad and I'm broken, so I might as well not try and do anything differently and I might as well keep being in the dysfunction 
and I might as well stay stuck where I'm at because if I'm broken, then I can't necessarily be fixed or I'm looking for other people to rescue me and fix me. Part of the consumer mindset or the victim mindset. So, so really, really, it's about moving from love, moving from aliveness, excitement, moving from vision for what we want in the world or in our lives. That's the transition. That's the shift that we need to make and help people make, you know? Totally, right? Like, so I, I, I think I, I resonate with a lot of what you just shared. And, and I like this, the, the separation between the shame and guilt and the shame sort of this fixed character of the, of the I'm bad, I'm wrong, I've done all these things, I should be ashamed, yeah. no one look at me kind of thing. Yeah. The guilt is a kind of a recognition of there's something which, you know, you may have just been sort of putting aside and suppressing because you didn't really want to experience it. And, and then for me at least, the thing that I would think of, especially when you said you want to move to love, it's like you can recognize the guilt, but then I would want to be, but who am I going to be in, inside of recognizing that guilt? Because it's the way I'm being, which is going to perpetuate the kind of action, which is going to move us forward in a positive direction. If you're yeah. coming from love, once you've recognized the guilt that you've experienced, then I think there's an opportunity. If all you have is guilt on top of guilt on top of guilt, and that's what's bringing you action, then that's where you're coming from. That, that, that's the distinction that I would at least like to know. Right. I don't know what you think about that. And that's, and you know, I'm so glad you said that. All right, I'm getting so lit up here. I'm like, I need to simmer down even to be present. So I'm so glad you said that because that is what I saw. And that's why I'm talking to you today and why I've been sharing this stuff about the gift of unpacking our white male privilege, the gift of doing our work to understand oppression of others, right? Because so often people think, I have to do this because I'm a guilty piece of shit. And I actually believe that's the exact thing that we see in a lot of the social justice movement spaces that has white men be more harmful because what's happening is they're coming from guilt and shame. And when they're coming from guilt and shame, they're going to unconsciously be projecting that onto others. Yes. And they're constantly gonna be, and not just gonna, they are emotionally needy. I showed up originally needing to be seen as a guy who's doing the work, quote unquote. I need to be seen as a guy who's safe for women, who's safe for black people, who's yeah. safe for the extraordinary Latinx population that's right in my neighborhood right here, right? Like I need to be told I'm safe. I, you need to see me as safe. Yeah. I need to be validated as an okay and not broken human. And when we do that, we're actually forcing more emotional labor on our, on our spouses, on our sisters, on our, our lovers, right? On our, on our partners, on our friends, on the people that we say we're, we wanna help liberate. And this is pervasive and toxic actually is what's happening is men, white men, were showing up with all of this desire and all this passion, but all of this training to be dominating of ourselves and all this training to hold our emotions close. And let me tell you, we have to learn to feel the fear, to step into a room. I had to learn to feel the fear. One of the most transformative experiences of my life is a training called Liberation Logic. I didn't belong in the room. It was for people who had jobs in organizations that were doing social justice and racial justice work. But yeah. I'm, I'm just the dude who's like, well, that's, I'll just go where I don't belong because that's, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. I, the gift of never feeling belonging throughout my life means oh my I can God. show up without having to feel like I belong and learn and grow and change because I'm the person in the room who's the most fish out of water. 
So I learned to swim really quickly. So I, I remember showing up being like, I'm actually terrified to be one of two white men in a 30 person training where most of the trainings, the emotional development, the personal growth trainings I'd been in at that point, that was the opposite. It was mostly men and it was mostly 50 white men to like one mixed dude, one Hispanic dude and two black dudes, right? Like that's literally very often the makeup of some of the men's work I've done. And so I was terrified and I remember being terrified and I was in the middle of a big breakup. Like I'd just broken up with the woman I've been with for four years, the one after my divorce, which was a great relationship, but that's a whole, again, a whole other podcast episode. But essentially I, I was terrified and I was like, I'm a guy who coaches men, who, do, who gets paid lots of money to, to work with men around their emotions. And here I am like terrified to step into this thing. So we have to be able to hold that and feel it and experience it. The reason that I made deep connections and I made relationships in that training two years ago that still live today is because I was honest. I was like, I'm going to be doing all my white male shit, my heteronormative shit here. I know it. I can't, I've worked on it for three years, but I can't just discard it. It's just going to be part of me still. So I have to be honest that that's there. I have to not hide it. I have to not pretend it. And someone points it out, which they did plenty. I can't like deny it, like, no, you're wrong. I have to be present. And I had to rumble. And many times in that training, I cried. I literally cried in front of people. I, I opened my heart in front of people. And it created such movement in me um, and such an experience of connection with others that it let me go, all right, I can keep doing this work. I can keep opening up. I can yeah. keep challenging myself. So I believe that, that men want to make change in the world. I believe that white men want to make change in the world. I believe that ultimately we want deeper connection with other people, but ultimately we want to be, you know, even though I don't love this, to be good men, to be good humans, right? And to be that, we actually have to learn to rumble with the parts of ourselves that we see, oh, I have been part of a system that has denied other people space and freedom and rights and income, etc. I have been in a relationship where I thought I was the most liberal feminist dude in the world, but I was actually still doing dominating stuff with my partner. Yeah. That's just so normative that, that maybe she didn't even notice it. Right. So, so that's it. We, 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 if we want to be in deeper love, if we want to be able to feel more grounded, more powerful in our lives, if we want to be able to, to feel unbounded, but still make commitments to things like a mission in life, to social justice, to, uh, gosh, even a relationship, a family, it's really important that we open this emotional capacity, that we learn how to feel, feel the emotion, to be with the emotion, to understand the meaning of emotion. And maybe even more importantly, to learn how to be present with others experiencing tremendous emotion. That's where we get most disconnected from our relationship with, 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 with people who have been more oppressed and haven't given as much privilege is when it's showing up in their life, the experience of emotion that comes up when they have been oppressed or whether it's just them being more emotional because very often we as men have been taught not to be very emotional and so other people have been taught that and so they take up more space in that category, right? In our relationships, they're more emotional, right? So what that means is for us to be able to hold space and be present with them. I can't hold space for the shame that my partner's feeling unless I can hold space for the shame that I'm feeling. 
I can't transform my relationship unless I can transform my relationship with my own shit, right? My own guilt. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. That that is that's that that is what is gonna help you develop your emotional capacity more than anything is like <laughs> recognizing where you can rumble with your mm-hmm. emotions and really get connected to them and be with it rather than yeah. trying to say like this doesn't feel comfortable i want to escape it <laughs> yeah and that's so relevant in all parts of our lives you know whether whether the person that's listening is someone who um you know is trying to finish up their master's degree right or their, or their phd right like yeah. i know many of the people in your world actually my partner is in the same space she's literally at the end of her phd and now she can't travel to do her research in africa so she's like what do i do yeah whether we're in that space or whether we're learning, we want to then change and grow our leadership in our corporate roles because we do want that next level of challenge. We do want that next level of income to create more freedom for our family or our lives. Whether we're talking about diving into like, okay, I wanna actually go to a protest or I wanna go to a social justice training to learn what it is to be like anti-racist and feminist. Like I actually want to do it, not just, you know, have read the memes that people are putting up and go, yeah, great meme, right? Like when we want to go dive in or we want to have a transformative relationship with our bodies where we become more healthy, all of these things really require this deeper emotional capacity and this deeper relationship with self. And, and we've been taught a world where we've been, we've been told this like, no, 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 just follow systems. There's easy answers, right? <laughs> All of it matters, all of it matters. But I'm so lucky. I made the choice about a year ago to join a group here in DC, which is really all like very successful business owners and, 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 and CEOs and people managing 40, 50 person uh, you know, teams and people who are, are, are managing millions and millions and millions of dollars of revenue. And what I actually find is in many of them, they have extraordinary emotional capacity, they have extraordinary ability to connect. Yeah. They are leaders and they've been rewarded for leadership and they often have very rich family lives and rich community lives because they're the, they're actually the anomaly to what we're taught to be. They're so willing to be like, uh, yeah, me and my partner decided to like be swingers for a year. We hated it and almost ruined our marriage. And now we are working with this therapist. Like they're really honest. They're really authentic. They're really generous. Yeah. They're really vulnerable. And so I've been noticing that people who have this rich life and this wonderful life where they're given a lot of opportunity, very often they don't fit into the box of domination of self that we've been taught. Yeah. They very often have liberated themselves and are a lot more open. And so my whole point of this is to say, like, it doesn't matter what your goals are. It doesn't matter if your goals are to figure out how to be present in your relationship or to to start to, to leave your corporate career and start your own company like this shit matters it matters more than almost any strategy you could think about absolutely and mindset's important mindset's important but this is so much deeper than mindset it's more than mindset it's it's mindset's part of a piece of the puzzle that a lot of people are ignoring and like i, I listened to your last episode about um men and masculinity and how um, people resist even the idea of mindset work but even mindset work can be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's, it has been an absolute pleasure. And the, the one thing I, I really want is for people to know is where can they find you? So where, where, where can they learn more about you? Because this has been brilliant. 
Oh, cool, man. Thank you so much. Um, so right now, the no there are two things you can do that I encourage. One is if you want to really be an experience of connection with other people that want to, what I call, drop the arm and live a life that lights them the fuck up. Um, if you want that, then I absolutely invite you to join me in Facebook, in my community, Drop the Armor Dojo, which I've been slowly cultivating and really inviting people that have shown they can open up and share vulnerably and authentically, and that they're open-minded and they're doing inner work and transformational work. So go to Facebook, go to Drop the Armor Dojo, request you know to join. It's a, um, it's a closed group, so you know, no one can see what you share. And we're working really hard to move from consumer to creator, we're working really hard to process how we choose every day, love, courage, and creation, creativity, over fear, comfort, and consumption, right? Um, so that's where I would say be the most connected to me because I'm in there every day and I'm engaging, and I'm asking questions and I'm putting in content and I do live videos a couple times a week. The other thing you could do is like, I'm a dude and I set up my life where I've got time to make connection. So you can email me at joe at dropthearmor.com or go to my website, joebernsteincoaching.com. Those are cool. I totally want you to reach out if you're ready to actually chat with me. Um, but if you just want to see more of what we're talking about here today, more of the head, heart, guts, more of the choice around love, courage, and creation, more about emotional mastery instead of emotional constipation and emotional diarrhea, then you know, join Drop the Armor Dojo on Facebook. That's what I would say where people can check, check that out and, and hang out more, you know? That is brilliant, Joe. And I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if people don't, if you don't want to join that because you are, you're, you're such a, a brilliant speaker and you connect so <laughs> just in, just in a way which I feel it right I, I feel it in my heart and it's it's been a real pleasure to spend this time with you so thank you oh thank you so so much and I really am first of all I just want to say I'm inspired by what you're doing um, I'm inspired by this podcast and the idea of it and and, and really the topics you're tackling and, and I'm really grateful I'm really grateful to have the opportunity I know your podcast is new so what that means to me is you know, when you have a million listeners six months from now, I get to be seen and heard and, and, hel and help so many people. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Gratitude is like part of, of my spiritual makeup these days. So I'm really, really grateful. And I'll, I'm grateful for anyone who's listening this, to this, you know, who's anyone who's listening at this point, who's still here. Um, thank you so much for your time and your attention. To me, those are the two most valuable resources right under your love. So Really appreciate you, Sam. Really appreciate the listeners. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Whether you're a relative veteran of this podcast or a new listener, I really thank you for taking the time to listen. And if you've got value from this podcast, then it would mean the world to me if you rate and review it on Apple or Podchaser and share it with your community so that this work can impact more people. Because I'm on a mission to help people live a life free from constraints. And if you're ready to take this from information to transformation, then connect with us at thephilosophicalcoach.com.